Okay, we have a lot to get through today. Oh, really? We've got um, the sale of the Sirius. We've got a developer who has gone out of business. We've got cats. Great. So uh, so we'd better get on with it. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So there seems to be a bit of a stoush about the Sirius building. Yeah, I mean, the Sirius building, I think, has been in the news for a long, long time, really. Yep. I mean, there have been lots and lots of fights over it in the past because over the heritage listing of the building. Lots of people love the building because they think it's a fantastic example of 70s brutalist architecture. So for anybody who's not familiar with it, and we'll probably put a picture on the website. But if you're not familiar with it, it's the one as you're coming over the Harbour Bridge towards the city from North Sydney, it's on the left and it looks like a stack of Lego blocks, really, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess it does. It's on Cumberland Street, yeah. yeah. And it just can't be missed, really. So, so the, as I said, some people think it's a great icon of brutalist architecture, which is increasingly rare these days. Well, for the good reason that they keep knocking it down because it's <laughs> That's ugly. That's right. Well, other people think that they're, you know, the building is a really ugly eyesore. So, I mean, a lot of people thought the building should be demolished. Uh-huh. Other people felt that the building should be retained. Yes. Because it was built for public housing. For yes. About 200 people originally. Yeah. They felt that they should be allowed to stay there. With the best views of the opera yes. house. Yes. You'll ever see. Yes. And um, other people felt that, well, they just didn't deserve it really, I suppose. Right. And that rich people are the ones who could afford to live in such a fabulous harbourside location is and it, they should be allowed to do so. Is it as polarising and divisive as that? Is it a case of maybe saying this was terrific that for 40 years Housing Commission tenants could live there with these fabulous views but Sydney has moved on and the money from the sale of that building which is allegedly going to be put into public housing um, can be put to much better use and house more people. Yeah, but where is that public housing? It's probably way out in the suburbs. And personally, I think it's wrong to keep cities just for the inner city of cities, just for rich people. Yeah. Cities should have a really vibrant demographic, a, a huge diversity. It, it, that That's what makes it culturally rich. And if it just ends up the inner city just for wealthy people, I mean, how dull is that? Well, we know exactly what's going to happen. You know, people who can afford it are going to buy these apartments and they're immediately going to put them on Airbnb. So it won't even be rich Sydney siders who are living in them. It will be people, well, if they ever allow people to come from overseas again, it will be people who can afford to pay five, six hundred dollars a night. Well, not necessarily, because if the high net worth individuals buy them, they might not necessarily have to rent them out because they've got loads of money. That's true. So that will be their city abode. They'll yeah. probably have a farm down in the Southern Highlands or, you know, a summer house up in the Northern Beaches yeah. or another holiday home up in um, Queensland. But um, they'll only be occupied maybe once every few weeks when they come into town mm -hmm. because they can work remotely. And the rest like of the time it will be Airbnb. 
the rest of the time it would be empty. Oh, well, that, no. well that, that's not a step forward, really, no, is it? No, not at all. Because they won't, won't need to, to let them out on Airbnb. Why would you if you had loads of money? Mm, if you had loads of money. I just worry about this argument that the people are saying stems from an ad that was run in, I think, in the Fin Review, saying at last, you know, luxury that the the building deserves with its mm. location. People are saying what the people who lived there before didn't deserve That's luxury. That's the clear implication, isn't it, really? Yeah, but then you look back at the history of it, it was built there so that Housing Commission people could live somewhere relocated from the rocks right the time of the green bands right yep. okay so so they built these very quickly they had to build it very quickly and i remember that the architect wanted it to be white concrete mm. and the government said no don't because that in- involves putting a chemical into the concrete to, to to give it the whiteness and the government said, no, 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 that's too expensive. Mm. It was only marginally more expensive. So you're really looking at a building which was functional, purely functional. And I'm sure it was fine inside. I'm sure it was okay. But it was not built to be luxurious. Now it has been sold to a developer who is planning to make it very luxurious. Do you know how much they, they paid for it, for the whole $150 building? $150 million. $150 million. You know, if I'd had that money lying around, I might have bought that building. That's right. They're going to make a hell of a profit, aren't oh, they? Oh, it's going to be a massive, massive profit. That, to me, is where the government really dropped the ball because they could probably have got twice the amount easily mm. and built twice the number of housing commission houses for ordinary families that they claim that they're going to do. Because you just came across a story uh, about an apartment somewhere in Sydney that sold for, what was it, 60 million? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's interesting because the, the piece was all about the prestige property market and how well prestige apartments are doing now. Yeah. Because there's all, lots and lots of new developments. You've got opera residences, hmm. you've got Barangaroo, the Lend-Lease buildings over at um, the New Darling Quarter. Yeah. There's all these really fabulous luxury new apartments. Yeah. And they're selling for huge sums. And this is going to be yet another one, really. Yeah. You think, geez, you know, people on middle incomes, even if they weren't low incomes, everybody's being squeezed out of the city, really. It's such a shame. We had Miller's Point being sold off. Yeah. Well, Um, that went straight into Airbnb. That's right, it did. You yeah. know, that's great well, location for tourists and mm-hmm. and people got round the, the laws of they said they were moving in, they were they were buying up there to move in and then suddenly it appears on a- Airbnb different rooms in the same house, but the people weren't living there. That's right. And they were meant to be single houses and suddenly they became multiple occupancy dwellings, right? Yeah. So yeah. it that that really wasn't fair and and lots of people said, Oh, we're just doing that in the meantime before we start to renovate yeah and i went to one of the one of the houses down there that had been completely renovated and it was just stunning i've never been into such an opulent house in my life before so the housing commission people were chucked out of miller's point they're chucked out of sirius now they're probably mostly around kind of Blacktown or maybe further out and it's just not right i i don't think personally i'm going to do the headline that nobody's done yet you cannot be serious 
Oh. <laughs> Daily Telegraph will do that. They probably sure. will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe not now that they've heard me do it. Yeah, so $60 million for one apartment. So two and a half times that could have got you the whole serious building. Yeah. Looking at the opera house. That's really, mm-hmm. that's bad, bad business. You know, you expect the coalition, the liberals, if they're, even if they're not good at anything else, they'll be pretty good at business. Oh, they haven't really proved that no, very much, no, have they? No. I mean, you know, we look at land out at the, the new Sydney airport, the new Western Sydney airport. Mm. Well, they do good business for some people, but not for us, <laughs> the taxpayers. Well, I just don't want Sydney to become a place where it's just a rich person's... Playground. Play. Well, thank you very much, playground. You know, I want everybody to, to be able to enjoy Sydney, and not just on a day trip into the city. I, I want, you know, people to kind of mix and mingle and everybody have a a place here really but here in king's cross we have seen how things evolve like when we first moved in here about 30 years ago it was a bit rough and ready and all the stories the underbelly stuff and all that and Mm. the streets and the gangsters and all that stuff Uh, but that was based on you know 20 30 years before when Yes, there were criminals and gangs, but there were also artists and musicians and actors and that real bohemian thing. And the so-called gangsters quite liked the bohemian thing. It was different and a bit wild. And the bohemians didn't mind the gangsters because Mm. they provided the entertainment and the clubs and things like that. And then it evolved and it all got a bit seedy. And now it has been gentrified beyond recognition. Mm. In some ways, it's really good you got lots of nice little bars that we occasionally go to, like Dulcie's and Dean's. They're great places. Um, you've got great restaurants like Cafe Roma, one of our favorites, and House and Frankie's Coffee Bar. It's terrific. But then you've got this building that goes up, you know, that looks a bit from one end like a pepper pot, which is fine. You know, it's, it used to be a hotel and now it's apartments. But then the people in the apartments start complaining about what's going on in the cross that's right and they complained uh, that's the omnia building i think you're talking yeah. about which was the which was sold for the highest um rate per square meter in the whole of um king's cross post point really yeah although that might be rivaled later on there's an, a new building going up munro which is the redevelopment really? of the country women's association that might oh, be right, real that, luxury that, that, stuff oh, as well yeah. the omnia people were complaining first of all about the king's cross hotel which predated them by a long, by long about way. 100 years yeah. Yeah. some noise from there which yeah. you know was a bit crazy and then i think you pointed out the other day about somebody complaining about the king's cross sign the coca-cola sign the coca-cola sign yeah yeah just that you know somebody moves in and, and goes there's a sign outside my window flashing on and off all night can you do something about it <laughs> and they wanted it turned off at 10 o'clock didn't they because uh, yeah they felt it was just not not yeah. fair and you kind of think well didn't they actually look at the area they were going to live in? But when you think about it, and all the times you've rented or bought property, how often have you gone to those properties at night? Mm. So you would have just gone there during the day. The sign's there, but it's not intrusive at all because no, of daylight. daylight. Then at night, it just dominates the whole landscape. <laughs> Imagine you're sitting there and suddenly everything's red, and then yeah. silver, then red, then silver. Yeah, I can understand that, but... That's that tough. has been there yeah. for a long time, yeah. and you just get blinds at night. And and I think, you know, it's a good example of why when you're thinking of buying or renting, you should go around at night. You might not get into the apartment or the house, mm. but you can walk around the area and get a feel for what it's like 
out on the street because that will affect your lifestyle. Sure. Oh. And you cannot switch off the Coca-Cola thing. Yeah, sure. So it's, maybe we'll get the new residents of the Sirius complaining about when they um, light up the cells of the opera house. Yeah. Maybe that will be a bit it's interesting. It's dazzling in my, in my lounge room, they'll be saying. Yeah. Or maybe New Year's Eve, those fireworks, they're so noisy. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> you know, they were going to put balconies on the front, weren't they? Yeah, that was one of the plans because they were talking about before they got heritage listing. Yeah. So I don't know whether they'd be able to put balconies on the front. Probably not, no. I mean, it is, as we've said, it's brutalist. And brutalist architecture is plain and simple and functional. Mm. And it doesn't get much more plain and simple and functional. But I actually think the serious building, you know, you've got the beautiful curves of the Harbour Bridge, you've got the beautiful curves of the Opera House, and you've got this Lego block, (laughs) apartment block there. And I think it's great. Mm. I actually like it. I wish it wasn't so grey. Yeah. It does look a bit East German uh, in that regard. Mm. Maybe it would be great if they do actually paint it then in the end. Well, that would be nice. The same colour as they, the same white as How they wanted to in the in the beginning. Rainbow stripes. be very modern. <laughs> no, Goodness too, me. Too much. Too much, Jimmy. Too much. Okay. Uh, when we come back... We're going to talk about a developer who, a couple of years ago, fell foul of a new law, which we kind of got past in our own little way. That's after this. And we're back. A couple of years ago, Sue, Mm. uh, we, especially you, were involved in a political campaign, kind of. Well, we wrote an awful lot of stories, a series of stories, about apartment buyers who were buying off the plan and suddenly the developer stopped work or didn't do very much work on their buildings so that they ran past the sunset date yeah and then the developer was entitled to tear up the contract rescind the contracts yeah. refund people their 10 percent deposit yeah. and then resell the apartments to someone else and this was when apartment prices were just going through the roof that's right the market was really rising so there was a huge motivation for developers not to hurry the work up but to make maybe just take their time and then when the work went over the the sunset clause date yeah they were then entitled to resell the apartments at a much higher rate to yeah. other people. And, and you know, it's all very well to give people back their deposit, but that deposit was put in two years previously. Yeah, sometimes and, even longer. And, and was worth much less in terms of its buying power. That's right. And it, all those people would put everything on hold yeah. when they could have been buying other apartments yeah. instead. Yeah. And suddenly they're left with this little bit of money back again. And they've got to enter the market again. And everything has gone up by 10% or 15% of the time. Yeah. So it was it seemed really unfair. And, you know, obviously some developers took took a bit longer to do the work and they and had some good of them, reason. But some of them deliberately told yes. their workers, just don't turn up. That's right. Yeah. And we did a series of stories about it. And I think you ended up talking to Victor Dominello. Yeah, I was who, in his office because he was fair trading minister then. And... Uh, we were talking about strata and stuff, and he said, foolishly, <laughs> is there anything else going on I should know about? And mm. I said, have you been reading Sue Williams' stuff about the sunset clawbacks? We coined that phrase. And uh, he said, no, what, what's, what's this about? So I explained it to him very briefly, and he said, that's disgraceful. He immediately said, no, that's just not right. That can't be allowed to happen. And then he changed the law. Yeah, just like that. Just like that. It happened so quickly, didn't it? Well, what he did was he changed the regulation 
which is much easier to do than changing the law. They weren't doing away with sunset clauses, but they made it that the developer then had to go to the Supreme Court and prove that there were other issues that had caused this. It was a bona fide delay in the process or whatever. So it put the onus back on the developers to prove that this was a genuine delay and they were as much victims as the prospective purchasers were. That's right. And then in 2018, a developer of a building in Surrey Hills took ages and ages to do the building and then wrote to all its buyers and said, I'm so sorry, um, because we've gone past the sunset dates, you're no longer entitled to your apartments. But if you'd like to pay 15% more, you can still keep them. Or otherwise, we're going to cancel the contracts. That guy said, it was either in court or he was quoted in another story, saying, well, this was always my intention. Because he bought it off the original developer with the intention of running over the sunset, cancelling the contracts and reselling. But a couple of the buyers um, refused to tear up the contracts Mm. and so then they had to go to the supreme court where the developer a company called parker logan a developer builder then tried to prove that um that they were entitled to to rescind the contracts and they failed and so those buyers were allowed to keep their apartments they had to finish off off the work and all the the court um costs were awarded against them and there was another quirk to this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but hadn't the CEO of the developers moved into the apartment? That's right. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd actually moved into the apartment that was owned by the two guys who were refusing to, to rescind the contract. Right. So it was kind of to add insult to injury. Yeah. You know, yeah. He'd actually moved into their apartment, and the said, one that they had the contract for. And said it was not finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible, really. I think everybody hailed that as a real landmark judgment, as a, as a real fantastic step forward in the protection of the rights of off-the-plan buyers. Right. But this company has come up in the news again. Yeah, they've, they've never been far from the news, really. We've kind of had a bit of an interesting cover, covering them. They were involved in a really controversial building in Edgecliffe. Um, right. Lots of neighbours were up in arms over that building uh-huh. because it was going higher than it was, it was uh. intended to. And then they were involved in another building at Cooper Park in Bellevue Hill. Yeah where they were building on an old kind of bowling green um, on a very tight little site. And they were building, I think, 27 luxury apartments and some townhouses. And they wanted to go higher and higher, and they kept putting in um, applications. Neighbours kept um, objecting. They went to the Land Environment Court. They lost their, you know, this kind of... It just went on and on and on. And in the end, they said, well, okay, if you allow us to go higher, we'll build some affordable housing. Right. So there was this kind of trade-off, uh-huh. and uh, eventually the local council, Wallara, agreed to it, even though everybody in the neighbourhood was objecting to it, really. Yeah. So it had a terrible stink about the place, and yeah. I think people kept accusing them of weaponising affordable housing, because wow. they right. were just using yeah. using the affordable housing Oh, they seem to be. Yes, we should be careful. allegedly, yes. yes, for their own means. There's two two things to this. The, the building commissioner, David Chandler went into the site in December and discovered, says he discovered, um, some major defects in fire safety, in st- structural concrete stuff yeah. in the basement, yeah. and a problem with some of the waterproofing. Right. 
So he has now brought forward a prohibition order. Right. He's cancelled the Strata plan registration. Oh, my God. And um, he's refusing to issue for an occupation certificate to be issued until the work's rectified. Right. So there's that. That site is now operated by Maryland Developments, which he says is a company related to Parker Logan. So right. So they have a relationship. Right. Them. And at the same time, Parker Logan last week has gone into voluntary administration. Ooh. Mm. Right. So, so yes. they're very unlucky, this company. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we have to assume that none of this is done deliberately. Of course not. You should never <laughs> ascribe to malice anything that can just as easily be explained by stupidity. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah, mm. they've, they've been very unlucky in their business dealings, and now they've gone bust. Mm, absolutely. They've got a creditors meeting next week, I think. All right. But, um, yeah, so farewell, Parker Logan. But, you know... They Companies know. can <laughs> rise again from the ashes, yes, as we know yes, so indeed, well, really. Indeed. Although we've done an ASIC search on the um, CEO of the company, he <laughs> seems to be a permanent resident in Israel now. Oh, right. So he's not even in Sydney anymore. Oh, so he's in a bit even more trouble or, if he's in Israel yeah, right now. Right. Goes from hotspot to hotspot, really. Yeah, my yeah. goodness. Well, there you go. Parker Logan, I wonder if there ever was anybody called Parker or, or Logan. Uh, so I just... People make up these fantastic sounding names. Mm. As soon as I hear Parker, I think of two things. I think of Parker Pens mm -hmm. and Lady Penelope's chauffeur <laughs> from Thunderbirds. <laughs> Parker? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, maybe he was a big fan of um, yeah. both. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Well, that's that's the story with a beginning, a middle and an end, yes. maybe. <laughs> when we come back, we are going to talk about cats. In Chicago. Oh, okay. Hopefully we, not the uh, musical, Andrew. No, no. Well, you, you saw that in Chicago. No, I saw um, The Lion King in Chicago. Well, it's still felines. <laughs> <laughs> still the same. It's the same. When we come back, we'll be talking about non-musical cats in Chicago. That's after this. And we are back, and recently there's been a bit of discussion on the Flat Chat Forum about people feeding cats around apartment buildings. Like feral cats, or...? Well, it's hard to tell, but... So it's got a little bit out of hand, a bit heated, mm. and the last post was the Flat Chatter saying there was a gang of people who were organised on a Facebook page that were doing all this feeding of feral cats around various localities and they were, you know, they were on a roster or something, which, look, I got to say, doesn't really bother me that much. In fact, I think I know one of the organisers of that. <laughs> of the, the, the cat feeding thing? I do, actually. Yes. Really? Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, they should they should read all the terrible things that have been said really? about them on oh, the flat chat. Right. But you know, I defend the cats. I am mm. a defender of cats. Mm. So it was quite interesting because the the theory that is propounded by this anti cat person is if you feed the cats, they don't kill rats and mice, and they just breed and they bring disease and you know the, and stuff like that. And, and and I have said you just don't like cats. Let's. Let's mm -hmm. own up. You just don't like cats. But if this is the same 
cat feeding gang is the person I know who has organized a, a gang yeah. doing that. They feed the cats and then they manage to win their trust and then they capture them. Right. They take them to the vets, they get them desexed, and then they let them go again because they're right. they're kind of a bit feral, so they wouldn't be able to domesticate them. Yeah. But they, so at least they can't they're not breed. Gonna breed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Chicago had a problem with cats oh, and yeah. a problem with rats. Apparently, Chicago is one of the rattiest cities in the whole of the Western world. Oh. So, the Cat Defense League in Chicago has captured all these feral cats, which were basically doomed to either spend the rest of their lives in cages or be euthanized. Mm. They've desexed them, they've vaccinated them, they've microchipped them. And they put them back out. Three cats at every building that has a, a rat problem. A thousand feral cats wow. have been released back onto the street. And they don't care if they're getting fed because they say, well, yeah, the cats will catch rats, kill them and eat them. But the fact that there are cats around makes the rats go away. Where do they go? I don't think they care. I think they hope they go to Boston <laughs> or New York. Right. Yeah. But, it, I mean, the thing is that once the rats are threatened mm. and they're not able to get out and feed, then their population will diminish Sure. as well. That's a clever think It's great, isn't, isn't it? Really? Isn't it? It's great. much better than, like, cane toads that we did here. Yeah. Mm. And then there was another amazing story about a cat in Chicago. It was in a building that was on fire. Oh, I saw that too. And yes. it jumped out of the window. From really high up. Five stories up. Hit the ground, bounced, and then ran off. Wow. See, Chicago cats. You don't mess with Chicago cats. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Well, uh, they're super cats, aren't they? They are, yeah. So I guess that cat's probably... Organising its own gang now. It's got, <laughs> got all its mates have turned up. Yeah. Chip, vaccinated, D6. We've got a big mice plague. I was thinking mice about plague. that. Yeah, and we've got it in, I think it's in Victoria and in country New South Wales. And I think it's in Queensland as well, isn't right. it? Right. It's kind of going through all the states. Yeah. I wonder if we could get... Cats, get some Chicago cats. cats. Yeah, because... You know, they're putting out poison for the for the mice, but then other animals are eating yeah. the, the poison, or they're eating the mice that yep. eaten the poison. So that kind it's of good. yeah, it becomes a terrible thing. I know what a mouse plague looks like because I was doing the Larapinta trek in Central Australia a few years ago, and there was a mice plague up there, yeah. and it was horrendous. Because they're little tiny bush mice, and yeah. they kind of look like cockroaches, and they just scatter around. Yeah. And it was awful, really, because you said they were in your tents, yeah. and they were eating the food, and they were trying to, they were nibbling their way through the water bags and things, oh, and God. it was really quite hard. And we were talking to to one guy, and we said, you know, oh God, these mice when they get into the tent at night, I'm just a bit terrified what they're going to do. And he said, no, what you should do is take a sleeping pill, and then when they nest in your hair at night, it won't worry you. <laughs> <laughs> but you said the smell was awful because they were just. Dying. And yeah, that's right. And they were shitting yeah. everywhere and dying and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, was just, it was just awful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd never experienced anything like that. People in the country have to kind of cope with that every so often, I suppose. But, yeah, to see it firsthand was astonishing. So this is, astonishing. this is the new plan. They can't, we can't bring the Chicago cats here because of, of biosecurity <laughs> and COVID. 
But we could round up some city cats. Yeah. And get them out there. Yeah. Have a weekend away. See yeah, how much damage they can do. <laughs> when the cat's away. Yes. Yeah. All right. I think that's enough for one day. Okay. Thank you so much for your contribution. Sorry about my husky voice. I'm battling a bit of a cold. But, but you're winning. Yes, I hope so. I will survive. Next week, I'll be the one with the husky voice. (laughs) Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Jimmy. And thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.